Get in this. Just a little to the left. Twist it. Yeah, it feels pretty it, good. It's all on the shoulder, I think. <laughs> well, there's our promo. <laughs> Welcome to the Video Reformation Podcast. I'm Ben Oliver. I'm Justin Plant. We're the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your guides to practicing effective video for business. We're like the Sean McGuire to your Will Hunting. You like apples? How about them apples? I got a number. I love that monologue where he just shits on that guy from Harvard. Uh, it well, or yeah, or uh, so I was either gonna do you got apples, the um, that one, or just repeat over and over and over again to you. It's not your fault. <laughs> Make me cry. It's not your fault. <laughs> what that I piece over you? It's going? not your fault. <laughs> I know. It's not your fault. Thank you. It's not your fault. Okay. It's not your fault. I'm going to go inside for the rest of the episode. Okay. Um, uh, speaking of the rest of the episode, today's episode is about the digital tools we use to make video. Um, before like we not cameras and not lights. This is very much not a gear episode. Right. 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 Um, but we do have a new sponsor this episode, I understand. Is we that, sure do. Is that correct? We sure do. Who are they? Uh, this episode comes to us from Behind You Bears. What could go wrong? Um, look forward to hearing their full spot later in the episode. Um, okay, so the, yes, the digital tools we use to make video, it's not a gear episode. So it's not, it's not audio gear, it's not lights, it's not cameras. It's about the collaborative and, and tools, apps, softwares, platforms that we use that help us basically collaborate. For the most part, things our clients never see or hear of or whatever. It's all in the background. Sure. Yeah. Um, I can do this episode in 30 seconds. <laughs> Google. <laughs> um, so I've broken this down into, into several different categories <laughs> here. Um, and I'm just going to say the platform and let you talk. You'll have five minutes of floor time for each uh, okay. platform. <laughs> Um, so I've got kind of our overall, um, every day, regardless of, of kind of phase, um, of practicing effective video for business, uh, group, we'll go over those first cause they kind of permeate throughout. Then we've broken the rest of the list out largely into, um, the seven phases. Mm -hmm. So which platforms do we specifically use during springboard engagements, uh, pre-production on set, mm -hmm. et cetera. And then uh, this morning, and I don't know if you've seen this at all, I did add a business development category at the very end, uh, which I thought some of our um, freelancers, one person bands, uh, small video yeah. companies might be interested to hear. So um, just to start overall, we are a Google workplace shop. So our default um, programs are, are in the G Suite space. So we use Google Meet a ton, um, Google Slides to create our presentation decks, halftime reports, creative treatments, anything that we're presenting to a client that is a, um, even proposals, a combination of our ideas that we need to organize uh, to present to them. We just use Google Slides for that, nothing fancy. Google Docs, Google Sheets, Google Drive. Google Drive is big for uh, kind of keeping 
everything in its own, I don't want to say appropriate folder because it's not always in the appropriate folder, but it's always in a folder, um, but something that um, we all have access to. We set up clients' uh, folders. We set up folders where we can receive things from them like brand guides or images, uh, yeah, logo, vector files, whatever. Um, and that's actually one of the first things we do because when we're kicking off uh, anything, there's usually branding guides that we need from them, whether it's a springboard or a production. Like creating video branding assets. Uh, yeah. Um, so, so we'll get um, – we just need to – I think the thinking here from the client side, if I slow down a little bit instead of just running platform by platform, um, anytime you're working with clients, you've got to keep things overly organized, uh, overmanaged, and constantly remind, uh, not like in a nitpicky way, but like constantly remind them where things are. Yeah. I mean, um, it's part of our weekly updates or it should be yeah. <laughs> in most occasions. Um, you know, because it, it, it's not, you are not important to your, enough to your client for them to just memorize where everything is the way that you've memorized. Yeah, and sit and like or bookmark, bookmark everything. It or yeah. what I, it's so just be proactive and put, um, put those links to the folders where you want them to upload things or where you've put things for them to review. Uh, make sure that you're always linking to those. And I think one of the frustrating things about Google Drive, well, one of the frustrating things about using Google Drive is always make sure that you've got your permissions set properly because um, it can be annoying for a client to get a link to something and then have to request access to that. Um, so specifically in Google Drive, uh, any of that stuff, just go in and before you share it, make sure that they've got the right permissions set. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's so embarrassing. It is. it is. It really is. Um, and I think it goes in waves. I think everybody pays a lot of attention to it for a while, and then they get a little bit complacent, and then there's a wave of of access requests again. I it's, feel like Google's uh, constantly updating their, their well, that's true. software. So like sometimes it's – I feel like sometimes I don't know how to – like where a folder is based on where it's generated and sharing permissions always have to be reset when I send something. Yeah, there's a way to do it where parent folders or, or child folders and documents within those child folders just inherit the sharing permissions of their mm -hmm. parents. Mm -hmm. So if you set it up properly from the beginning, which is a big if, mm -hmm. if you set up sharing permissions properly from the beginning, then everything that as you go through that project and create and add to that should have the right permissions. But yeah. if you don't do it right from the beginning, uh, from a, you've basically got to check it on every From every a workflow document. perspective, I when things in the sales or business development side of things start to heat up with a client. No, that's later. And I have... Well, but when I have meetings and stuff with them, and sometimes I'll record them, sometimes I'll make proposals or budgets or whatever ahead of time, um, I'll, we start with the, the shared drive. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, I'll, I'll have a new business folder in shared drives, and I make a, I just throw everything in there. And then once we bring them on as a client, Jacqueline sorts it all out. And it's, it, because it is a parent folder from a shared drive, it does typically have permissions granted for everybody in our team at least. I just caught my reflection in the uh, hub of the fan over there and got distracted. Oh, gosh, looking good. Hi. Kind of slendering. Uh, 
Dann really? For project management, I project management, I I think is completely individual to the group that's using it. Uh, we have tried Monday a dozen different platforms. I can't name any more. <laughs> Monday, Function Fox, spreadsheets, spreadsheets, whiteboards. ClickUp, uh, yeah. it's probably one or two others. Uh, we are currently using Asana um, to varying levels of success. Um, we've got a pretty good project manager who keeps everything organized in there. Uh, and so it's not like we have to go in and track our in progress tasks necessarily but even just knowing that the platform is there and that things are in the platform uh gives a certain sense of um not a whole lot of things are going to slip through the cracks here mm -hmm. even if you're not forcing your entire team to use it every day on every task uh it's still that kind of safety net that and it helps you plan and prepare too i don't know that we leverage it enough that way um, but you could run out a Gantt chart and just view your Gantt chart and be able to see when you can feasibly start your next production or springboard mm -hmm. or whatever, um, based on individuals availability. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there's, there's, there, and there are a lot of platforms that can do that. Um, each platform has its own, uh, areas where it exceeds expectations and, and then just fall short on others. We're using Asana. What's the <clears throat> What's the platform that you just started researching, you and Jacqueline, um, that we can create client dashboards for an organization standpoint? One is called Portal, and that's at joinportal.com. Um, I believe we have a demo scheduled. Basically, yeah, the it's idea a, there, I mean, it's essentially a client resource dashboard that kind of um, tacks onto your WordPress site. So it gives them a secure area where then you can basically set up little modules to give them access to uh, timelines, Gantt charts, folders, um, Google Drive folders with their deliverables, um, contact info, um, stuff like that. I'm yeah, sure team Protocols. information, yeah. all, all kinds of um, all kinds of documents, and uh, it appears to be a lot of like iframe embeds. So you can take your whatever platform you're using, and they can just see the client side of it um, within this one page, essentially. Um, and uh, if that works the way we're hoping it does, it should uh, help minimize a lot of the questions when timelines change, which they inevitably do. Because um, we, we do a weekly update with our clients yeah. every week, hence the name. And uh, Jacqueline will send a, a video, um, trying to keep it interesting with a little trivia or jokes or something like that. But uh, mostly it's there to keep everybody on the same page as to what's happened, what we still are waiting for from them and what's happening next week. I'm always amazed at, at who responds to the trivia or the joke, which is at the end of her video, but then they have no idea what was reported. 
<clears throat> in the video itself. I, I think I think another thing that we've learned in that too. So if we want to talk about platforms, that's just a vidyard, what they used to call Go Video, but a, a vidyard video, <laughs> video um, recorded on a webcam, sent through their Gmail connection, um, and. You know, not everybody wants to watch a two-minute video with the updates on their their project. So you have to also put it in the text of the email. So if somebody just wants to skim, they can skim. Um, but that's also where those links should go to, you know, all of their previous deliverables, the current version of the timeline, um, anything that they may need to access so that they only have to go back one week, you know, or search for from yeah. Jacqueline. and. Yeah, and the portal then basically saves us from typing out that footer on every single email. Yes, yes, and you just get <clears> to put <throat> access your dashboard here. Yeah, yeah, and we'll see if they actually do. This is not about the digital tools our clients use. This is about the digital tools we use, whether or not our clients adopt them or not. Um, what else we? Oh, and then the big one. I honestly don't know how we would function if it were not for Slack. Well, we're already using the G suite and uh, we'd probably use a mixture of G chat and G string in, in lieu of Slack. Did you slip a G string in there? <laughs> I was waiting for my moment. So, yeah. Okay. There's 57 episodes and you finally found your G string moment. Um. Yeah, I well, and and even even with the the Google Works because it's Google Workspace now, not G Suite. Oh, is that right? Um, even with the Google Workspace stuff, I remember when we started seven and a half years ago, whatever it was, and we used like Pages in iCloud mm -hmm. to both be in a document at the same time. Um. So that we didn't have to like sit at one desk, yeah. and edit a script or yeah, a, a Adobe had some or script tools like that. Adobe that just, Story, yeah. was pretty cool, yeah. But it was uh, it's just it's just funny to see how how easy it is now. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, there are probably things that we find difficult now that in another seven years we'll just take for granted. That are, I mean, Slack isn't that old. Let's be honest. Um. Uh, and it and let and Slack probably just saves our inboxes too. It would probably just be a ton of email communication. Okay, so those are kind of the everyday overall tools that we use. So let's take it stage by stage or step by step. Okay, day by day, fresh start over. You know the song? Step by step. You never watched it. I watched With the Lamberts. I just. I just don't recall the song. Did you want to ask me if there are any particular platforms that we use in the strategy? Yeah, so we're going with the seven phases of practicing effective video. Strategy, pre-production, production, post. Distribution, promotion, analysis. Um, so let's start with the most important strategy. Okay. Um, you lead a lot of our strategic engagements. True. So what sort of tools are you using on a daily basis or frequently enough to bring them up in this conversation? Um, I think honestly, the most important tool that we use in our strategic engagements is Calendly to get the stakeholders scheduled. These are busy people, right? These are, these are 
board members, executives, um, higher level people who have a, um, you know, an ownership stake in the success of the project. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yes, they are often very hard to track down and they are also rarely part of the sales process. So they don't get the value of the conversation they're about to have with me. Right. They're being wrangled by a project manager or something at that point. Yes. And so... So the easier we can make that is, is then whoever I'm... Uh, our, knee, our knees just touched. Our knees did just touch. You can probably see it on both of our face. If we run it back slow-mo, just little micro expression like, do I go on or... Um, anyway. Um, yeah. So anything, so whoever is working on the springboard with me, so whether it's Patrick or David or um, someone yet to be hired, um, uh, we'll basically set up a, what do they call it? Um, One of their calendar types where you basically check both people's calendars and only provide uh, the client with times where both of us are available. Mm -hmm. And you can set all kinds of parameters like, it's a 40 so right now it's a 45 minute conversation but we don't let anybody book anything that doesn't have 15 minute buffer on the front end or the back end um, oftentimes that's because we go longer than 45 minutes and at least it gives us a little bit of buffer so we've kind of set an expectation but then you know because then the worst worst thing in the world right now is just back to back video conversation so really it's there to just have a bit of a breather mm-hmm. um, and uh, be able to kind of prepare. Now, uh, and so Calendly really helps us do that. And and we, we set it to a maximum of the week that we're supposed to have or the two weeks that we're supposed sure. to have our stakeholder conversation. So they can't pick, you know, like a time a month away. Mm-hmm. And then we just have to wait for that to happen. Uh, <clears throat> I think that set, uh, creates a little bit of a sense of urgency too. What I have found, um, 80% of people choose one of the last two days mm-hmm. um and i and i think that's just people's nature is to put things off i don't know what this is i don't know what this is i'll it's long. pick this last time that's available but no that's three o'clock on a friday who wants to take a call at three o'clock on a friday so i'll take the twelve thirty on friday um that's the way that most most of those go down but i remember a time when we weren't using calendly for that and it was um, completely unbearable um, trying to get people scheduled and mm-hmm. coordinate all that stuff and, and and so Calendly solves that. And they help with changing schedules, like if right. they want to cancel and make it a different time yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then what we um, integrate into the Calendly invitation is a link for their stakeholder questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a Hugely important. I, I, I mean, Calendly is important because it's so hard to wrangle people. But but using Typeform to create, and so we Typeform usually is a tool. do yeah. Typeform we we create. It's kind of like SurveyMonkey. Mm-hmm. So you can create all kinds of surveys, questionnaires, conditional uh, formatting, forms, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so what we do is we give a little bit of information up front about why it is they're talking to us, so they get a little bit of that that context. And then can you embed video on there? We um, I know they have video ask as like their video. They do. I think we've tried interface. and we haven't figured out how to make it work. Mm. Um, but we have recently for some freelancer applications created an application where they can upload a personal video afterward. 
by using Vidyard's upload feed. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a workaround mm-hmm. to that. Um, in any event, what we do is we create these six to 10 question surveys that are big picture about who they are and their role, what what their responsibilities are, what their goals are, what the organization's goals are, who the audience, like what are your primary initiatives mm-hmm. this year? What audiences are you speaking to in that? What's some of the key messaging? How do you differentiate yourself from them? So these super high custom, level- Depending on who you're talking to, they're right? They're custom, but they're, and they're based on um, sales conversations and kind of the kickoff. So mm-hmm. they do feel- personalized to some extent at least for the client but at the same time they always stay up at that top level where they give just enough context so that somebody can say okay i think i know what this conversation is going to be like Mm -hmm. and two it gives us enough um it honestly it helps us save 15 to 30 minutes per phone call yeah um, instead of going in cold and asking them these questions because it helps us and it takes 10 minutes before the call with them just to review their answers and go through and highlight some of the points that we want to take a deeper dive into. Mm-hmm. So we can gloss over or we can skip over all that stuff that's that's kind of skimming the surface in the conversation. And in that 45 minutes that we have someone, we can really get down into, I was intrigued by this thing you said about this. Tell me more about that. Uh, you noted that so-and-so and so-and-so. That's very similar to what this other person said. Mm-hmm. Is that a company-wide kind of thing, or are you all just thinking the same? So it really gives the opportunity to... Um, Warms up the convo. To get the information ahead of time, to be more efficient with those conversations, and to set an expectation on their side of what it is we're going to talk about. Yeah. Smart. Um, <clears throat> and I think I think that's it, honestly, for... No you whiteboarding know, tools for concepts no in fact we found even more recently that it, it's just so important to be in the same room and use and a real whiteboard. use a real whiteboard yeah it, it's because we've done a few over the last year where we have even mm-hmm. internally kept it remote um, and they just aren't as efficient mm-hmm. uh, as when we can sit in our conference room with a white i mean the whiteboard on the other side of that wall right now is full for one of our clients right now mm-hmm. and it just breaks down exactly what the roadmap is and we've worked that all out on a whiteboard and we just haven't found any digital tools that yeah. work for that we've tried them yeah uh we've tried miro um which is a digital whiteboarding tool that didn't really go anywhere we've tried google jam Jamboard. Jamboard, yeah yeah that wasn't great either. and that wasn't very good um i know there are other things out there like some of these digital um, white like physical whiteboards that cost five thousand dollars or whatever. We haven't tried to convert like that, to digital. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's we're able to find an hour here or there to be in a room together and whiteboard. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that's it for okay. strategy engagements. Moving on to pre-production. Um, I'm gonna cover one of these first and then you primarily use the others or historically have used the others so i want to let you talk about them um kind of a spin-off for google docs there is you know google one of the great things about the google workspace and g suite is that they've got a whole bunch of add-ons and extensions mm-hmm. that people have made like chrome extensions there's a google docs add-on called screenplay formatter that basically takes all of the traditional screenplay formatting rules and just lets you easily put in 
you know, a, a scene heading, a character name, dialogue, whatever. And yep. so it formats all that stuff for you instead of otherwise having to go into Google Docs and tab, tab over center. in all caps yeah. and, and, and all that kind of stuff that does it for you. So nice. screenplay formatter is a nice free uh, add-on that really helps with Google Docs. Yep. But um, tell me about some of these others. I know that, um, especially with Studio Binder, that's something that um, that you've spent quite a bit of time in. What, what's going on yeah, in Studio Binder? Pre-production is, um, there's a couple things happening in concert. You've got creative happening. You've got, you know, your writers writing. You've got your DPs out scouting locations and gaffers talking about lighting setups and stuff. All that stuff basically happens on paper or, or G Suite. Um, so the other stuff that's happening during pre-production is producer activity. Um, Studio Binder is a fantastic tool for organizing your shoots. They have the, the types of tools they have in there. Uh, we, don't, we leverage maybe 10% of that platform. Right. There's a lot more you could be doing with it. Um, to be honest, we just haven't explored it that often. And our, our shoots don't always fall into the same line. Like if we were doing always doing like narrative, like if we had like mm-hmm. a, uh, a weekly TV show, we'd probably use more of those features cause it's the same thing and the same characters and, and whatnot, um, similar locations or whatever. Uh, for us, all that stuff is always is frequently different. So, um, we use it for call sheets. I guess that's the that's kind main, of it, kind of it. I mean, you, you put all of your people in, like all of your crew, your clients, your actors, your agents, whatever. You can put them all in there with their phone number and their email and their role, their call time. Um, and then the that'll the gener- generate a call sheet where you have to fill in some information like hospital and location and parking and whatever. Um, but once, it, once you fill some of that in, it'll tell you what the weather's going to be. It'll tell you what time the sun up is. Um, there's a lot of cool extra tools in there. And then it'll organize the entire day by schedule. So it'll, it'll show you what's happening. You know, call time, 8 a.m. for these people. And then, you know, actor call time, clients, whatever. Everybody can have their own call time. Um, and it will email them as well as text them, mm-hmm. uh, the, the crew and anybody on the, on the call sheet. And your call time for fun shoot is 8 a.m. And then you have to click to view the call sheet. From a producer, I can see, from a producer's side of things, I can see who's looked at those call sheets right. and not done anything about it. I can all, they also have to accept or verify or whatever it is. And so I'll know that I'll get an email uh, update. This person uh, verified their call time, uh, accepted their call time. Um, and so I can go down the list and make sure that everybody is ready to go for the day. Which department is historically last to confirm? Uh, I wouldn't put it on a department. It's usually like individual, individual people. freelancers, individual <laughs> crew yeah, we work with. I think some of it's just a technology thing because people are used to getting there's, there's one template that has been used for probably decades. Okay. Uh, or at least since the internet has been out. Uh, that most people are used to and they're used to getting those in like an email and not having to do anything from there. So if they're, I, fe- I feel like if they're more old school, uh, more experienced, they oftentimes they don't necessarily understand or think they have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually know ahead of time that, okay, this person's fine. Right. <laughs> they're a pro. Um, beyond Studio Binder... Um, let, let me let me touch on some of the things that we that we haven't really used in Studio mm-hmm. Binder. I tried to use it for one of our um, scripted narrative pieces 
uh, last year. And it can track props, wardrobe, characters, scenes. It can break down scripts uh, and help you create shooting schedules. And that's really why I wanted to use it. What I found was it's really hard to rev- like back into that. Mm-hmm. So if you start your project with your script, a- even an early version of your script, in Studio Binder, you can then keep track of all of those things that help you organize the shoot, but you have to start from the beginning. You have to input the script first. Even when you when you upload the script, it will go through and it will say, I think this is a character. Is this a character? And you can create all kinds of, of character background and storylines and you can track their wardrobe and, mm-hmm. and then it will connect props to them so that you know which props to have ready at which location. I mean, and then when it you, can do all of it. And that. when you get to the shot list, it'll say this character, this location, this wardrobe, this... Uh, yes. This shot, this focal length. <laughs> Which is fantastic if you started start. from the beginning yeah. and, and and you need multiple users because it's hard for one person to go in and put all of that information mm-hmm. in. You need to be able to share it with hair and makeup and mm-hmm. wardrobe and the prop master and the director and the DP. And, you know, it needs to. So it's hard to do... Um, when you're on, you know, since we only use it for call sheets, we've just got the one user plan. Mm-hmm. But you need to be able to share it with other people so that they can go in and a director can go in and, and put in their shot list. Yep. And a first AD can go in and create uh, the shoot schedule for a day and all those things. So it's a very powerful tool um, that is just better, just like Asana or anything else is just, you know, Maybe better suited for some types of projects, or don't use all of it, but we certainly stand by it for call sheets. Mm-hmm. Beyond <clears throat> Studio Binder, other pre-production digital tools, um, we are phasing away from the next three, but uh, they are still used quite often by a lot of people in the industry. So, uh, the next one is Eight Hundred Casting. It's a web. Base, I mean, that's, most of these are about web. It's like a web 1.0. Yeah, base. it's it's really really weird to to try and get through, and I always end up talking to Denise, and she, she'll call me like, "Did you mean to do this?" I'm like, no, I don't know what I'm doing. I hate this thing. Help me out, and then she'll do it for me. But what are the other options? Going straight to agents, which sucks. It, it's because you have to do the same thing eighty times. Yeah, uh, and then you might be missing some agents. So yeah. Um, and then all, every agent wants a little bit of different information too. So it's just, it is casting is a hassle. It's a problem that ought to be fixed. And I know there's some other options out there too, right? Yes. I forget the names of them. Uh, I want to say backstage. Yeah. Uh, there were two that have been uh, referred to us recently that because we haven't actually used them yet, they're not on this list. Now, I, you know, what's so annoying to me about it, I can get past the um, the interface. What's so maddening to me is the agents who uh, do not read the casting call, and they look for basically gender and age, mm-hmm. and they will put or whatever they can search by that matches with their talent, because I imagine their end gives them an alert that's like, hey, this casting call just got posted mm-hmm. that this person qualifies for because they are a 25 to 34-year-old male. And, you know, 
Um, and so you just get overloaded with stuff. And in the call, we've put must have experience with improv or must have experience riding a horse or must have experience with yoga. Although I think that went beyond. (laughs) Um, And so you get all of this unqualified talent. Not Mm -hmm. that it's not talented talent. Right. But then you also get a lot of untalented talent. A lot of models. Uh, You get a ton of models. I, but I, I think my biggest thing and, and, uh, maybe we make this a snippet so some agents can hear it. Um, is if you're putting someone up for to be an actor in a video project and they don't have any video work on their profile, I will not consider them. I, for the I role. need at least a slate of yes. hey, I'm Justin Plant with Storyboard Media Agency. I'm 34, live in Greensboro. Yes. I probably need a little bit more than that. <laughs> I be, because when you get 300 submissions in 24 or 36 hours and you have to triage mm-hmm. them, it's real easy to sort by immediately rejecting all the people who don't have a video mm-hmm. file on their profile. And so maybe there are some talented no. Any talented actor has got to have video on their profile. Mm-hmm. I, Maybe there are some that don't. I but now that I'm saying it out loud, there probably aren't. So if you don't have, if your agent hasn't put video on your 800 casting, because that's the thing too, is a lot of the agencies that have their own, um, like, um, what do they call them? Pick lists, pick lists, lookbooks, whatever. A lot of them integrate with 800 casting. Mm-hmm. So they actually require their talent to create an 800 casting. So whether it's the agent who's not putting the video clips on or you as the talent aren't putting the video clips on, I, I cannot consider you for a video project if I can't see what you're like on video. And I'm not going to see anything in a still image that makes me say, hey. She's an actor. She's an actor. And <laughs> um, rant. Unless it's a headshot with one of those little, with the sticks, right? Right. Then you know they're an actor. Yeah. Um, kind of in the same vein, uh, some other tools for voice actors specifically. Uh, we'll, we'll use Voices.com or Voices, Voice123, or is it Voices? It's one, Voice. Voice123. Oh, I thought we just used unsolicited inbound emails <laughs> um, and contact forms from our website from VO actors, and that's how we sourced all our, our VO people. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else have that problem? <laughs> Just the most unsolicited emails I think and form media is, are from VO. Media is in your URL. You will get <laughs> voice actors submitting. Why is it only voice actors and not? I have no idea. Other, like, I have no idea. I guess they don't have agents. Most of them don't. I have no idea. Um, voices, um, voices, I think I've figured out how to use recently, largely due to a bad experience. Voice one, two, three, I'm not going to as much anymore. There are a lot of other ones out there, too. Sure. Um, Voices.com, it appears that the pandemic Hmm. uh, led to an awful lot of underemployed and otherwise not gainfully employed people to um, our needs just touched again. They did. (laughs) 
the pandemic led to a lot of underemployed people thinking that they could do voice work. Mm-hmm. And there's really no barrier to signing yourself up as a voice talent right. on one of these platforms. And uh, we actually cast two separate voice talents for one project who both gave us really good auditions. But in the first 30 seconds of their video chat directed sessions with them, knew that these were not professional voice actors. And we ended up not being able to use any of the work from either of those hour long plus sessions uh, and having to recast and re record. So if you're using voices.com, I highly recommend before offering someone the job. Uh, see how many jobs they've done and more specifically how many reviews they've gotten. If it's over 50 jobs or over 50 reviews, you're probably pretty safe bet that that person is a professional voice actor. Anything under that, um, you're probably working with someone who just thinks they're a voice actor. And even if they give you a really good audition, just stay away from them anyway. Um, and, and I think once we got through that and, and learned just how to spend the time kind of weeding through um, uh, yeah, some filters. of those people, I, I think that has helped uh, quite a bit. It's, it's not too dissimilar from, from using 800 casting, to be honest. You just, have to, you just have to spend the time saying, these people I'm not even going to consider because X yep. or Y. Um, it's time check. It's it's time for our sponsor. Yep. Cross check. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good sponsor. What what's our sponsor? Reach around bear? <laughs> Behind you bears. Behind you bears. Sorry. Do you ever get the feeling that someone or something is following you? It's usually on a dark night in a strange place, or as you're coming up from the basement and you just turn the lights off. Mm. You know how mm, freaky mm, that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, terrifying stuff, but it doesn't have to be. From the same people who brought you Obacalp and Placebrix, Behind You Bears are the latest and greatest in self-defense. Behind You Bears always got your back, no matter which direction you're facing. They're there to keep you safe, calm, and because it's a daily subscription, slightly less heavy in the purse. Behind You Bears come in many shapes and sizes. There are, of course, the grizzly, black, brown, and panda varieties, uh, but even some more unexpected options like gummy, teddy, and then those ones that are filled with honey, the little hats. Oh, yeah. Um, in fact, you can pretty much make up whatever kind of bear you like because, honestly, they're simply not real. Uh, but you would, w- wouldn't you rather have a behind-you bear than not? Behind-you bears, yes. we're barely there. Yeah. The idea came from my son. He used to talk about a behind-you bear all the time. <laughs> what he's like it's behind you that's better yeah (laughs) that's good um yeah it it sucks because it's a daily subscription though it is pretty it gets pretty expensive what's the cost per day um it depends on the type of bear and Uh like um like you can kind of dial up the ferociousness and the claws and stuff like that okay so you can kind of build it's like a no, <laughs> can't say. They they specifically said do not call it a build a bear. Okay. Well, then um, we won't. Yeah. Uh, all right. Excellent. Um, I've heard they have an advanced plan where just based on how scared you feel, 
Mm-hmm. It just generates whatever the appropriate ferocity is. Mm-hmm. But that costs like the most. It's a lot. That's just the yeah. Um, and you know those honey bears with a little uh, yellow hat on. Mm-hmm. Diabetic's best friend. <laughs> Shall we move on to production? Let's do it. Good. I'm gonna talk about one of these. And you're gonna talk about the other. <laughs> Uh, one of the apps that we use on set is a teleprompter app. Um, the way that we currently use it is um, Joey's got it on his laptop. So the app is called Teleprompter Premium. But if you go to the app store, there's like four of them called Teleprompter Premium. This one is specifically the one uh, made by Joe Allen Pro. Stop touching my knee. What? Um, and... <clears throat> Uh, the way that Joey uses it is he actually has the app. On, so it's available for Mac or iPhone or iPad. He has the app on his Mac and then uses Sidecar with the iPad so that he can mirror his mm. laptop's display to the iPad. But mirror in the sense that what he sees on his laptop is what you see on the iPad. Mm -hmm. Which if you've used a teleprompter before with the split glass, that actually has to be backwards. So, or mirrored, if you will. Mm -hmm. So what Joey is actually seeing on his laptop is also backwards. But he can control it. He can make text changes. Uh, it's the best way that we've found so far in trying six or seven different apps in six or seven different ways. Um, to and it's super low latency using Sidecar, so the he can actually follow with the pace of the talent and adjust the speed without having to to be. And I shit you not, we've done this before where we have the teleprompter person actually right in front of the camera but off screen looking at the prompter and using a Bluetooth mm-hmm. remote to either speed it up or slow it down or whatever. Um, that doesn't work. We're open to other suggestions. It's like one notch above cue cards. It's maybe two. Two notches above cue cards. It's the fact that Joey has to read along backwards all day that is the last piece of the puzzle that we need to fix. So there's probably some other app that allows him to treat two mirrored displays and be able to flip one differently than the other. But hey, that's where we are now. It, it's we're imperfect people in an imperfect process. If nothing else, I think this is this episode is just shining a light onto all the opportunities for developers and <laughs> whatnot to make yeah, video the, a more pleasant experience. And we maybe should have done two disclaimers up front. One None of this is like we found the answer. This right. is literally this is like how the we're cobbling it all tools <laughs> we use, and we feel a little bit more confidence at episode fifty, whatever we're on now, than we would have earlier. Um, and two, um, we are not compensated in any way if you go by any of these things. If we had more time and were smarter, maybe we'd set up some kind of affiliate. <laughs> program with some of these people but we don't so we receive zero compensation for any of these ringing endorsements (laughs) except for vidyard which we haven't gotten to yet um the other one on production it's kind of a link between production and post it's called shot put pro i'm not going to pretend to know all the ins and outs of it but basically it takes 
your media from whatever card it's on, SD card or HXD, whatever. <laughs> we'll just dub over. <laughs> uh, and it will move it <laughs> poof, to, but a lot slower uh, to two Actually, separate drives. Quite quickly. Is it right? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so as I understand it, Shotput Pro essentially um, allows you to like bit by bit clone the drive. So what we did on our last shoot, for example, is we would take the uh, card from the camera and during lunch, uh, we'd run it through Shotput Pro and it would dump out on two SSDs, one for us, one for our editor that we shipped. And they were exact duplicates and there's all kinds of file processing stuff. And Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the tools we use in post. Is it... Um, I don't use any. <laughs> right. Uh, no, you use Frame.io. It's true. It's on the next page. Yeah. Um, so we're an Adobe Creative Suite company. So uh, most of our editing is done on Premiere Pro. Any audio, well, any advanced audio work is done in Audition. Uh, MoGraph and stuff is almost entirely done in After Effects. We're rarely working on anything that uses, I don't know, Cinema 4D or any of those things. Um, occasionally and a little bit more often, especially since we own all of these Blackmagic cameras, um, we'll use DaVinci, be it for editing or coloring. Um, I know Patrick has talked in, in recent months about how he's he's really made the shift from just coloring in DaVinci to now editing in DaVinci mm-hmm. too because uh, even though he's a little bit slower in it, the round tripping, t- taking out the round mm-hmm. trip from Premiere to DaVinci and back, he just now edits in DaVinci. Which is part of the reason why color is after final approval. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then they show the CEO, and then the CEO says change everything. Yeah. So you do it all over again. Um, and then I get there's an episode topic in there. It's not quite how to be a good client, but almost like what to expect as a client. Skip the render. Maybe we should do an episode on phase by phase what to expect as a client or from a post. Well, I was like thinking phase by phase, just what to. Sure. I don't know. Someone make a note. Um, yeah, I mean anything. I kind of we're glossing over them, but Premiere Pro, Audition, After Effects, DaVinci. Frame- Again, it's not a gear episode, so I feel like that starts to get into the gear bit a little bit. But the one I really want to talk about is Frame.io. Yeah, this is a, a great collaborative tool for editors and producers and clients and creative directors and basically anybody involved in how this <clears throat> how the how the picture turns out. Uh, Frame.io is a great tool for that. So it'll put your you can upload your video as you would in like a YouTube situation. Um, it doesn't have to be a super high quality thing, but upload your video. And there's a couple different ways you can use this. Um, for starters, just for the first edit, we'll upload it. And it has every single frame in there. So you can move the, the playhead basically to any frame you want and leave a comment. And so that will be time stamped. Um, you can even select a range. Yep, you can select a range as well. So if you wanted to pick three lines to take out, you could set that endpoint and that outpoint and mm-hmm. just make a note that says remove. And then you can circle, like you can color on it and like draw a little arrow towards something like, hey, I can see your reflection here. Or 
move this title down yeah. to here. You can basically write or color or highlight anything on that screen, and that will timestamp it as well, uh, attach a comment to that annotation. <clears throat> um, and from, from that, let's just say we're still in the first round, the editor can then export all of those timestamps and comments and basically use that as a checklist as he or she is going through the, the second version of the edit. I think that's a huge point. Um, so even, even if we're just on an internal round with one of our maybe remote editors. Before it goes to a client. Before it goes to a client. Um, one of the, one of the <clears throat> other things that I like about it is that, that so everybody's got their own user. So everybody's identified as making this note. Um, but it's got a, a like feature with a thumbs up, and it's also got a reply feature. Mm-hmm. Oh, for each so, comment. So for each comment, you can go in, and it's got an assign or tag mm-hmm. someone feature. So uh, just yesterday, I was um, uh, our editor did something differently than I expected them to based on the script. And I thought, well, maybe I was just, maybe I just made a false assumption. So I was able to tag David and say, David, is the intent for the CTA to follow an animated logo sting outro, or are we going straight from the last line to this CTA? And we were able to have that conversation within Frameo, which I'm sure our editor hated. Um, but, but we were able to keep that conversation there so that we've got a record of it and we could eventually make a call and then that's logged there in frame IO. But the point that you just made that's huge is that whether they export it so they can export an XML file that gives them all the timestamps of those notes, which is only problematic when you start working on the first note and it changes the time because then all of the other notes are off time. That's just something you learn by working with it. Um, but at the very least, it gives the editor a list of all of the changes that they were supposed to make instead of just basing it on a phone call an and some written notes or an email or whatever. Or general points. So yeah. it gives them an opportunity, wink, wink, <laughs> um, as an editor before sending it back to either the client or, or the for the in-house review, an opportunity to check and make sure that they address each note. Yep. But that reply function also allows them to ask any questions. And if there are any questions, then, of course, you can just hop on a quick phone call, video chat, whatever, because oftentimes it is easier just to talk through something. Yeah. But if you can get 90% of your notes down and then talk about you know, the detail of a couple things, that's still worth the organizational value of sharing feedback. Client tip, um, have your clients assign one person to put the feedback, put, to put the actual feedback into frame. Why don't you want three clients putting in their feedback? Because you may get three different notes on the same thing, and then you don't know what to do. So, um, so it's not just a um, copying and pasting responsibility. It is identifying those contradicting notes and making the call, or asking someone to make the call. Which way are we going on this? So that we our editors, whomever, can just see that one specific note instead of having to decide which of the client's team members to believe or follow mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't um, have everybody put their own notes in Frame.io. We just know that we would look for one individual person 
And that's why, you know, and their notes to say, disregard this. Yes, let's go with this one. I agree. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Um, And I think it's worth noting, too, that Framio does require some training on the client side. It's very intuitive if you work in this field. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, um, it's not obvious what you can do with the platform. So giving your client a little bit of training on how to do it. We've had clients do everything from um, putting in a general note before the thing even plays. They just like they watched it. And then the last frame, there's a note that says, hey, this is really good. I just want to change a couple things. And they put it in there like they were writing an email. We've also had um, clients consolidate all of those notes write them out in an email or a notes document or a Google doc or whatever, and then copy and paste that into one timestamp mm-hmm. note with a whole bunch of written timestamps. So again, it's until you see those things like that, that you, you know, we kind of take for granted how user friendly it is for us in this space just requires a little bit of client training. One cool feature that I think is worth mentioning. We don't use it a whole lot, but is the version history. Yeah. So, you can upload your second version of this on top of your first version and watch them play side by side and see the changes that happen in it, like synchronous like they play synchronously yes and you can see what changes have been made um, on top of the last version. and you can alternate audio back and forth yep. between the two so if you changed music or changed a VO um, actor uh, you can toggle back and forth just to get a sense, and they both keep playing. There's probably the more way. features that we haven't looked into yet. Yeah. Oh, they do certainly. Like, like they have Adobe plugins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even like straight to web. Like, yeah, I've seen a lot for their camera to cloud. Yeah. Uh, functionality now. I think there's going to be something. Yeah. So I I think it actually makes sense to kind of bring distribution, promotion, and analysis together because there is a lot of crossover yep. here. Um, specifically on the distribution side and on the analysis side, we're relying very heavily on our hosting platform. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in terms of the tools that we use, we are Vidyard clients. We are former Wistia clients, but we manage certain clients' accounts in Wistia. Um, I think we even manage a Vimeo, Vimeo. account or two yep. for our clients. We have admin access to several of our clients' YouTube accounts. Um, again, that just helps, um, I, I, what I like about that most is, is, well, there's two things. One is you can get into the analytics and you can access all of that without having the client have to like create reports for you. So we can just log in and see that stuff. So what I like about having access to this from a client delivery standpoint is that instead of just uploading to Google drive and letting them like download it and upload it to the right platform, um, we can actually log into that platform and upload it for them. Oftentimes what we're doing is writing the descriptions that are keyword optimized, uh, picking the tags. Um, we've got a custom creating thumbnail, calls to action. creating calls to action within the players, those kinds of things. It is just so much easier if we've got the access to do that. And then we say, hey, everything's up. Here's your embed Here's code. your web version. Here's Ready your whatever. We'll publish to YouTube. And, yeah. yeah. And But it's it's done. Um. <clears throat> From a speaking of titles, tags, and descriptions, um, 
sometimes for us that starts to get into promotion because you're targeting specific people and specific things that people are searching for. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not necessarily waiting until promotion to do this because oftentimes this comes under the strategy part or pre-production. But Moz has several free SEO tools, um, one that is a keyword finder. Um, So just as we get to know our clients better, as we get a better understanding of the keywords that they use, we can optimize titles and descriptions by searching their content and finding what keywords um, are prevalent for them if for some reason they're not giving us that information outright. Um, We're we're not talking about all the digital channels that we would use for distribution or promotion. Right, right. Like LinkedIn or whatever. This is just the tools kind of in the background. Um, Hootsuite. I know we've used it before. I know there are some platforms that it works better with than others. I know it has issues scheduling um, to Instagram. Um, But these platforms, these social scheduling platforms are getting better. But what's interesting is that the advanced hosting platforms are also getting better about being able to uh, schedule posts, uh, native uploads, things like that. There mm-hmm. isn't, there doesn't quite seem to be a works perfectly with every channel solution out there yet. Um, but we're finding that there's more and more opportunity to control those posts um, and sharing on social channels through the advanced hosting platforms. Um, and so that combined with something like a Hootsuite, I think, can you know, probably cover most cases mm-hmm. uh, in terms of scheduling social posts. Uh, and then, of course, the the analysis. I mean, the hosting platform that you're using, regardless of what it is, it gives you some level of analytics. Mm-hmm. We've got multiple episodes on the types of analytics that you can get. Um, but without being able to, uh, to access those analytics from Vidyard or Vimeo, Wistia, whatever, even YouTube, uh, it makes it real hard to to say whether we're hitting the goals that we need yeah. to hit. And that's kind of what all this is about. Um, another tool that we've started using recently in some of our client YouTube audits is a tool called VidIQ, which does a great job of um, scoring YouTube videos um, and giving all kinds of recommendations for how to get YouTube content to score better. So, it could identify whether your description is too long or too short, whether your title is too long or too short. Do you have enough tags? Do you have cross-link tags and keywords? Do you have a custom thumbnail? Do you have a manual um, uh, transcript uploaded uh, instead of the as opposed to the YouTube automatically generated one? Do you have end cards? Do you have uh, all of these things that have basically checks to score those videos, which is what YouTube is doing to determine where they fall in search. It shows you which of those things per video you need to address to get them to score higher and thus appear higher in YouTube searches. Um, So that's vidIQ. That's a really cool one that we've just started scratching the surface with, but um, we could probably bring Jay in for an entire episode to talk about how to use vidIQ. Last... Is but what also is, potentially <laughs> first uh, the business development side of things. So I'm gonna let you go. Yeah. Um, so HubSpot is a CRM that <laughs> Anthony cleaned up recently. <laughs> and tell me exactly what he did for you there. So we've got yeah. So we we use HubSpot. Um, Why? 
Uh, it's cheaper than Salesforce. <laughs> but what what does it let you do in uh, from your, a sales side sales of things? Role. Yeah, um, I use it mostly to keep track of contacts, and there's some there's some tracking software you can integrate with Gmail where you can see. Are people looking, are they opening up your email? Are they clicking links in your email? Which ones? Vidyard will even take that a step further and show you which videos they're watching and how much and blah, blah, blah. Um, but HubSpot, uh, it, it does help from a sales standpoint just to have that tracking software, but I also use it to keep track of deal flows. So which lead is in which part of the sales process. Okay. Um, and so we've got new clients and existing clients. Those are two different flows. Um. And so that's a place where I keep track and started <laughs> doing a better job keeping track. Um, and let's see, is there anything else in HubSpot? It, you can like set tasks and reminders and stuff mm-hmm. like that for when to follow up with somebody. Um, you could create outreach sequences, but mm-hmm. we've got two other tools. Yeah, so they, they, that that's the sales side. And then they've got a marketing side. I forget which one does what now, but there's a marketing side. I think does like more email campaign, like mm-hmm. um, like your newsletter type stuff, or um, you know a sale on this or whatever. And a lot of uh, website forms also. Yep, there's a sales side. There's a customer service side. Um, they're really, I mean, they're they're growing like crazy. They're doing a really good job. I um, mean, you could build your entire site. On HubSpot. Yep, because they also have Vidyard as their hosting for like you can host through HubSpot, which is actually through Vidyard, mm-hmm. and so it's a powerful integration. And if people are paying enough, uh, depending on what level they're in, um, they get access to the Vidyard side of things, and that really really steps things up for them. Then, of course, I'm using Vidyard daily, probably two to three videos a day at least. Um, Again, a couple episodes on how to do that. Yeah, I'm, I was recently uh, banished to the equipment closet because of all the. <laughs> no, you daily... got a private office. <laughs> um, Give me back my stapler. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm using Vidyard to send out videos. I, I'll upload uh, a recorded conversation, like a, like if we're having an initial conversation and somebody couldn't make the meeting, uh, I'll I'll record it with the Google Meet. I'll upload it to Vidyard, send that out. Um, and then, and that, that's, that also does, um, have at the end of every single one of my videos, no matter like all the personal videos, it has a custom call to action that says, and this is very sales focused. It says, it shows my name, my phone number, uh, my picture, uh, title and whatever. And then on the other side, it's got three calls to action. It's got CR work because most people ask to see our work. So I just yep. put it out front, uh, Scheduled time to talk with me, and I think something like view our case studies or something. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, beyond those tools, uh, we have some lead gen tools. We're uh, one we're really familiar with, which is called Rev Boss. They're actually a local company. Um, they're more hands on. They're uh, in terms of creating the campaigns for you, targeting, strategizing, that kind of thing. Um, and so they send out a lot of emails to very specific targets <clears throat> with very specific messaging. I think we have a thousand new contacts a month that mm-hmm. they reach out to for us. Yep. And then as soon as a, so as soon as somebody responds favorably, instead of the fuck off <laughs> emails, I don't get those, they'll forward, uh, those emails to me and I'll respond as if everything was coming out of my inbox mm-hmm. from the first place. Uh, 
the other lead gen tool we have started exploring is GrowBots. Um, it's a lot more hands-on from my perspective. Um, I have to go in every day or as often as I want, I suppose, but we get a thousand messages per month, a thousand contacts. So that one's also a thousand. You can get very, uh, granular Mm -hmm. in this as opposed to where like RevBoss is just sending out the same thing to everybody or to targeted, uh, individuals, whatever, uh, GrowBots, I can go in and change a little bit of wording to this one contact. Um, or I can say, no, don't send it to that person, send it to this person. Um, I can pick the titles I can. So I do a lot more of the targeting, uh, on a, on a daily basis. Uh, so we'll, we're kind of just using it to explore some new, potentially some new areas like hardware or medical devices or pharma or whatever. Right. I think that's important because, uh, rev boss, we know is targeting a very specific market and grow bots. We're staying away from that market so that we're not duplicating any messages. Cause I imagine there's crossover in targets they're going to find. But, um, Ultimately, the plan here is that after three or six months, whatever, we get to put the two side by side and see whether the more automated hands-off approach or whether the hands-on approach yields ultimately better leads, Mm -hmm. more leads, whatever. Right signature. It's the last one on our list. Yes. (laughs) I I didn't see this list until this morning. The thing about right signature is um, every time that we've sent a PDF for someone to sign as an attachment to an email. Um, I, started this, I started this sentence wrong. 80% of the time, 70% of the time that we send a PDF, there's some kind of follow-up that we need to do about, hey, just wanted to see if you have any questions about that contract. Mm-hmm. And it's a small sample size. Maybe it's a coincidence, but every time we send one through right signature or send a follow-up through right signature, it's like within an hour, it's signed. It removes barriers to signing an agreement. It and it's it's silly because you could be talking about a a hundred thousand dollar contract, and the fact that they don't have to like print it out, sign it, scan it, and email it back can literally be you know, and and all they have to do is just click the little sign flag, Initial do a digital signature, whatever, yeah. and click submit. That gets us a whole lot closer to our money and it's it's silly that that sometimes it's just that extra couple little steps but but uh it, it's the world we live in it it pays for itself because uh it's it's stupid it's silly i don't it think works. it is i think it's removing barriers to getting deals yeah yeah it's it's um and there's nothing silly about that no there's nothing silly about that it's silly that what keeps people from signing contracts like that is the fact, oh, I got to print it out. I got to sign it. I got to scan it. Yeah. I don't know that we have a scanner. No, but we have Adobe know. Sign, like Adobe, uh, Adobe Acrobat, where we can sign uh, yeah, with a, as a digital way. Of, there yeah. are digital ways of doing it. Uh, a lot of people don't anyway, maybe have that software. Right signature. Uh, have we forgotten any digital tools like our fingers? <laughs> Um, um, that we use. Oh yeah, for the nose picking department. Um, Do we have one of those? Yeah, it's in the equipment closet as well. <laughs> <laughs> you mean your office? Yeah, <laughs> got it. Um, should we hear from our uh, sponsor again? Yes. I see that. Well, I can see that you've already 
subscribe to Build a Bear or uh, fuck <laughs> behind you bears. Um, how do you know about my Build a Bear subscription? <laughs> Um, yeah, but if I turn around, I can't see it because it's always behind me, right? Uh, supposedly. I don't I don't see anything there. There's a bear skull. So you got the skeleton version. Do you ever get the feeling that someone or something is following you? Yes. It's usually on a dark night in a strange place or as you're coming up from the basement and you just turned off the lights. Uh-huh. Terrifying stuff, yeah. but it doesn't have to be. What? From the same people who brought you Obacalp and Placebrix. Behind You Bears are the latest and greatest in self-defense. Behind You Bears always got your back, no matter which direction you are facing. They're there to keep you safe, calm, and because it's a daily subscription, slightly less heavy in the purse. Behind You Bears come in many shapes and sizes. There are, of course, the grizzly, black, brown, and panda varieties. Sure. Um, But even some more unexpected options like gummy, teddy, Mm. and those ones that are filled with honey and have the funny hats. Yummy. Uh, in fact, you can pretty much make up whatever kind of bear you like because honestly, they're simply not real. But wouldn't you rather have a behind you bear behind you than not? Yes. Behind you bears <laughs> were barely there. All right. Um, real quick recap of this episode. Today, we've been talking about the digital tools that we use to make video, including, but not limited to, Google Meet, Google Slides, Google Docs, Google Sheets, Google Drive, Asana, Slack, Typeform, Calendly, Studio Binder, Screenplay Formatter, an add-on for Google Docs, 800castingvoices.com, voice123.com, Shotput Pro, Teleprompter Premium by Joe Allen Pro, Premiere Pro, Audition, After Effects, DaVinci, Frame.io, Vidyard Wistia, YouTube, Moz SEO, Hootsuite, Vidyard Wistia, YouTube, VidIQ, HubSpot, Vidyard, RevBoss, GrowBots, and Write Signature. Suppose one or two that I might add on the business development side, when I when we didn't have Revboss or Growbots, Bank of America Mobile Deposit, <laughs> yeah, uh, Hunter.io, and I think there was another one that kind of helped find people's email addresses. What about Crunchbase? Oh, I do use Crunchbase quite a bit. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. that's not uh, it's more of an information tool than anything, but it helps. Should do LinkedIn? <laughs> no. All right. Well, I think that does it for this episode of the Video Reformation Podcast. We appreciate you watching or listening. As always, like, don't like, subscribe, don't subscribe, follow. It's it's a psychological trick. Okay, then don't do those things. Don't listen ever again. Nope. Don't ever download an episode on many platforms. On everywhere or anywhere you get your podcasts. Come on, we need some real sponsors. Yes. (laughs) Come on, monetization.